Spartanburg and bring Tyler into the program. Tyler, hope that you're doing well. You're up with Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, here, right? I appreciate everything yep. you said. All right, Tyler, enters the chat. Um, it sounded a whole lot like Tommy Bowden. And I'll tell you one thing, Tommy Bowden didn't make the same amount of money as you do. You make $11.5 million a year. That was strike one. Um, that's second in college football, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm curious. Uh, just gonna pause it right there. I want to just. I'm gonna point out a couple of things. <laughs> Strike one was questioning this man's money. Let's move on. Why that salary has led to a four and four? And I know we're gonna talk about, you know, just being a couple plays away from undefeated and all that. Um, and I know you're a man of religion. I'm, I'm a big. That was strike two. He's, he he ventured into the religion territory, and before he even said what he was about to say, I already knew which route he was going down, because he said, I know you're a man of religion, and I said, here comes the I'm a man of faith myself. I know that one was coming. That was strike two, because you, you question, strike one, money card, strike two, man of religion. Fan, Let's continue. Coach, uh, before you, you categorize me as a you know, being in the 1.5%, I would have gone to Clemson games and my entire family going back generations been going to Clemson games before, you know, when you're in commercial real estate. Ooh, so ooh, right. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to accept being in that 1.5%. Um, and I, I respect the fact that you're a man of faith. Um, I'm curious uh, if you've ever read Proverbs 16, 18. Questioning ooh, his Bible knowledge. Football. Um, I used to. I, I was in the military, and I uh, questioning his pride. I, uh, Tyler, thank you for your service. Very important, uh, Dabo. That was the one, probably the biggest error of Dabo's ways. Uh, when he dropped, I was in the military. That would have been a perfect time for him to say thank you for your service, Tyler. But let's continue. Was overseas for the big run, um, and so I, I couldn't. Couldn't watch all the games. I tried my best, and but I always watched your press conferences, uh, just for life advice, and I appreciated all that. Something changed after 2018. Oh, he said you changed. Um, it, look, it, Sean Payton would have what's the question this man a long time ago because this is a lot of talking before a question, but. I'm going to let it continue. He's grandstanding. He's absolutely grandstanding. He's grandstanding, but this context is important because we, we need to di dissect this whole thing, and this man's grandstanding and talking about all this lead-up is important. So um, let's, let's roll. You're humble, you're hungry, and everything. And I and he I said you changed. People, you used to be hungry. But after that 2018 national title, something changed, and there seems to be a lot of arrogance that came in. That was strike three. He called him arrogant. This is this is the moment where Dabo Sweeney had had enough, and here it comes, ladies uh, and gentlemen. There's a lot of friends and family. I mean, three of the ten on-field football coaches are external, experienced hires. Everyone else was an internal hire that had no experience before or was a former player um, or friend. This is when Dabo said, uh, I'm going to circle back and hit him with the Tony Elliott. $11.5 million dollars to go four and four and it's not just this year it's been it's been you know right. just a refusal to accept all right, all right. What's the hey, Tyler. 
Okay, here we go. Here's Dabo time. First of all, you already did forgot did his F already Tyler. forgot his name. Already forgot did his did name. F Tyler. <laughs> Enter Dabo. Here we go. You, you can you can have all your opinions that you want. All right. I don't know how old you are. Don't really care. Mm. All right. But let me tell you something. Uh we won eleven games last year. And Thanks. you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that do that. All you do is the, the appreciation. The expectation is greater than the appreciation. Mm, hit them with and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12, 10 plus win year, seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. Ooh, these are facts. So if you want to know why, Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. No, y'all weren't sick. Seven, seven years. And there's only two other teams that can say that Georgia and Alabama. Mm. Okay. Is so this far, a bad year? Is this a yeah? So far, we're we're all on board, right? So far, everything Davo is saying, this is the one time we're like, stop making me agree with Davo Sweeney. Stop making us all team Davo. So far, we're good, right? Let's continue. And it's my responsibility. Take 100 percent responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want. And you can apply for the job, and good luck to you. All right, but to answer your question, all right, we're second in draft picks. We've graduated. Oh, we got an NFL resume. We're second. Not really relevant here. All right, we we. If you you want to know why? Again, I'm telling you, we're not perfect. There's a lot of teams that you know. Frank Howard never had a bad year. Coach Ford never had a bad year. Throwing other coaches under buses. It never had a bad year in basketball. People have a bad year. Other sports. But the part of the problem. Is okay, so this is where I feel like he starts to deviate. I feel like if he had just kept it with look at what I've done and appreciate, and yes, it's been a bad year, I, I think he would have been good. But when he started to lose his way, is when he started throwing other coaches under the buses and then other sports. That was he's he's wavering and um, he he will become unhinged quite soon. The appreciation. I used to tell people all the time and say, what's the difference in Clemson? Let me tell you, at, Cle at some places there's an expectation, but at Clemson there's an appreciation. And what's happened at Clemson is, is we've won so much. Y'all want me to keep winning. Even when we it used to be the funds into winning, now even when you win, people like you complain and criticize the coaches and question everything. You, you, people like you. All right, when I hired Tony Elliott to be the offensive coordinator, oh, he never comes. called a play in his life. Okay, here it comes. This is where he starts going way too far. Now he's taking credit for Tony Elliott. Um, and this is, again, this is where he starts to wayward. Now, here's the thing with Dabo, right? He could never coach anywhere else. Or not, I shouldn't say anywhere else. He can't go above Clemson if this is how he acts when things are not going well. Because this is just Clemson. This is just a... a Thank you for your service, Tyler. This is a guy, Tyler, who called him, uh, called him out. Like Clemson's perfect for Dabo. He should stay right there because going anywhere else for Dabo would be bad. He's taking credit for Tony Elliott. We're gonna get to the part where he starts just taking credit for life. I'm sure you were critical. Being then. successful at life, All right? And he took us to two national championships. People like you who just destroy, love to to destroy people. With your comments, all right. I'm sure you've never made any bad decisions. I'm sure you've lived a perfect life. I'm sure you've never. I'm sure you've led a bunch of people. 
I'm sure you do your job in front. So thank you for your service, your Tyler. Question, I started as the lowest paid coach in this freaking business. All right. And I'm where I am because I've worked my ass off every single day. And I ain't going to let some smart ass kid thank get you for on his phone and create this stuff. So if you got a problem with that, I don't care. All right. I work for, for the give board of trustees, the president, oh, AD. And if they're tired of me leading this program, all they got to do is let me know. Program. I'll go somewhere else. That's one program job. Well, there is an appreciation. All right? It's not just winning. It's how you win. And we are in a – this is a tough year. But we've had 12, 12, 10-plus win seasons in a row. 12. We lost to Tennessee last year. They won 11 games for the first time in like 20 years. We've had 8, 11 win seasons oh, in, in just whatever. Take that, Tennessee. Wow. We've won two national championships. Clemson went 35 years. All right, probably since before you were born. Your whole freaking life. Son. We've won Thank two you for <laughs> And we earned it. And we beat the best of the best to do it. The best of the best. Mm. 12, 10 plus win season. So if you want to know why, that's why. Mm-hmm. Am I perfect? No. I'm far from it. Oh, here it comes. I am a, and I am a man of faith. Absolutely. All right. I'm 53 years old, uh, and there ain't one thing in my life. I, I, stop right there now. Anytime a coach tells you their age, what do you know? I'm a man. You know what's coming. Don't get a coach up there telling you how old they are because that means this is no longer about whatever the hell you asked before or whatever the initial question or problem that set him off. Once we are now in, let me tell you how old I am territory, this is just a man venting about whatever it is that he's upset about. And you're about to see. This might not have anything to do with football because because here comes his just life accolades. I have been a part of failure many times, but there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at, Tyler. No, never ever. failed. All right? Ever. Never lost. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. Mm. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate with my family. I did it. So I wanted to degrees. play football at Alabama. I earned a scholarship, lettered three years, worked my ass off, won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, all right, and 15 years you later, I'm still it. here. <laughs> you didn't want I'm me to have it. The results are what they are, and I stand on them. I stand on business. I stand on business. I stand so, on business. You know, what? I, I wanted to get married. Oh, I've been God. married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great Did sons. That. If you don't like all running, types of kids, be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you know, I'm not going to sit you sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me. Like I'm like I'm 12 years old. Tyler, be freaking thank you for your service. Amen. <laughs> I, uh... Shout out to the radio host for the amen. Because amen. that was a amen. sermon. Amen, indeed. Let <laughs> us talk about this. I Davo agree. Sweeney <laughs> <stands> on business. <laughs> he, no one wanted him to get this job. Everyone was a hater. He's won all the facts that he was spitting. You really can't argue the facts. Um, taking credit for Tony Elliott. Okay. Weird flex, but okay. Um, but then, yeah, once he got off into 
his marriage and his kids and never failing and all the degrees that he has like a Kanye West college dropout skit. I don't, I don't, that, that part was not about these Clemson fans don't appreciate that we're not winning or, or, or that I've done all this for them right now. That didn't feel like that. That felt like I'm, I don't, somebody that felt like his anger for NIL and his realization that the reason that they might not win like they used to win in the past, not just this season, but going forward, it's because all these other kids are getting money and doing stuff that he don't want to do. And if you saw the way he celebrated against the Notre Dame game, dropping to his knees, pounding on the field, like that second half of what he said is just a very angry man. That's just my, my thoughts on that. I was with him and then I wasn't. I, mean, I hate the fact that this is recorded, but like I, I think I'm with Dabo on this one. Exactly, I, I am. We, like, have, I, we have to be. <laughs> this is the one I time think Tyler was out of order. Tyler uh, overall, and Dabo like, deserves the right to defend himself. Yeah, I mean, he Ty- wasn't questioning football acumen or specific tactical decisions or recruiting. You were attacking a man's character. Yeah, he called him arrogant. So that's why he's getting Bible verses, talking about faith, like it's. He was he was out of line. That's when he went to the family stuff. I guess he's like, you're attacking my character. Now I got to tell you about my family life and all my kids and my wife and my marriage. Um, <laughs> yeah, he made us, he made Dabo a, the most sympathetic character that he's ever been, probably. Like, I just all-time great rant. And I still wouldn't necessarily call him sympathetic. Like, No, so I guess. The, here's what I take issue with. So... You get paid eleven million dollars a year. That's that's your appreciation, right? If you're looking for some kind of external validation for your program, like yeah. you got to find that somewhere else, bro. Like that's the only thing that I was like, eh, but I don't know. It's nice to be appreciated. It's nice to have fans. I get the whole expectations thing, but like you know, fans are fickle, so you got to let that roll off. So this yeah. was a little thin skin for me, but as far as like what he actually said, content wise, I didn't see a lot told. It's a lot of facts. He, he he was he he was ready. He came ready. Also, like I mean, yeah, it's his record, so it's maybe easier to memorize. But he had those stats in those years and those other teams and all that. He had that shit ready. Like, let somebody ever question what Dabo Sweeney has done for Clemson? I'll hit him upside the head with all these wins and stats and trophies. So he also don't do shows like this anymore. That's the other part. <laughs> like, where I'm like, Look, why are you, man. why are you talking to Tyler <laughs> like, from South Carolina? Like you don't have to do it. If you're not like, it's not going to help with recruiting. Like you're not doing NIL. So if you think like your visibility on a coach's show is helping you in any way, it's not. And this is why I said at the top of this, like there's no way he could have anybody else's or go to any, most of these other schools where this like, there is no thanks for what you've done. Like if he, people talked about him as the heir apparent to Nick Saban because of the whole Alabama thing. He can't do that. He, like I shouldn't say he can't do that. It would not go well for him at Alabama if they did not win like they are accustomed to. Because if he thinks Tyler from, um, where where was Tyler from? I forgot where Tyler was from. They said it at the beginning. Somewhere in South Carolina. Just outside of Clemson. If you think Tyler was like a problem, but Alabama fans, they're not trying to hear what you had done or 
why it isn't going well. So nah, Nick Saban loses one game, and folks like, has Nick Saban lost his touch? Yeah, they're on his head. Like last year, they're like, oh, down year. I'm like, okay, 10, 10 win. New Year Six, right back the next year. This is ridiculous standards. But yeah, that's, I mean, that is kind of what his point was with like, are you guys kidding me? Like Clemson, you have no right to any of what we have just done the last decade. No right at all. I don't even have a right to it. I'm very lucky to have had three of the best quarterbacks in college football for like a decade running. I, like I said, he probably realizes that that what this season is is more where they're going to live at now, which that's fine. But I think he's trying to get folks adjusted really early, like set these new expectations right now um, to prevent further Tyler's calling in, questioning his character, Bible knowledge, uh, any of the, you know, talking about I've been watching Clemson games since you were in real estate, which – I guess to Dabo's point, yeah, you were watching them stink, and then I showed up, and now we're good. So just relax, which that's where we're all on. We all have to be Team Dabo on that. Otherwise, we're being a hater, Tyler. Tyler was definitely hating. It's all good. Thank you for your service, Tyler. That was the one thing that he should have done. He should have hit him with the thank you for your service and then proceeded to annihilate him because then it's all good. You've acknowledged it. You've thanked him sincerely. But now you're on Eva playing field, and you could get these bars just like everybody else. <laughs> I stand on business. Um, all right, next. This is the coaching gone bad. We did, that was the cold open. This is a little bonus episode of SP Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast. Bonus content in between weeks. We'll have a little college football playoff. Ranking the second review of the rankings, American Idol Week Two, or the, actually the Mass Singer. I feel like the American Idol is kind of a washed or older reference, even though it might still be on. The Mass Singer is what they're trying to get people watching now. So this is the Mass Singer Week Two. Who's behind the mask? Like we got some reveals. Whatever, we'll get to that. Uh, but we wanted to do a whole coaches segment, so. Kirk Ferentz is next on my list. I want to talk Dion. I have a little Dion adjacent, not really, but kind of story related to Hampton. And then, of course, Connor the Stallion. Can't not talk about him. And then we'll get to college football reactions. But right now, I know everyone probably heard, or a lot of people had heard, that Dabo clip had went fairly viral. Um, I have a clip of Kirk Ferentz, actually. This is pretty – I feel like a lot of people haven't heard this or maybe they just didn't do the digging. But I have a clip here of Kirk Ferentz when he uh, found out the AD uh, at Iowa, the interim AD or, or temporary uh, AD at Iowa, uh, had fired Brian and, and went over his you know, his son and went over his head to do so. So I, I don't think – I don't know if you've heard this, but to, you know, I just, I just want to listen to it. It's good sound. Where the fuck you get off talking to people about me behind my back going over my head? What people? What people would you think I wasn't going to find out? I don't even know what you're talking about. This, this no, is when Brian Ferris went to the AD. heat on you? I got to listen to people because of your fucking shit? You're ordering me out? You better get your own fucking army, pal. I didn't do anything. I mean, I didn't order you or anybody. I only told Andy Stone that you had a lot of heat on you and that was a problem. You want me to get out of my own fucking town? Yeah, I said, let, let the bullshit blow over for a while so I can run the casino. Anything goes wrong with the casino, it's my ass. It's not yeah. yours, it's my ass. Uh, 
I know it sounded like you said casino. He's, he's talking about their football team. Uh, this um, this, this is not casino. No, to be no, clear, no. this is not. This is to be clear. This is not casino. Uh, that's it's like <laughs> it's, the, it's the offensive formation. Uh, but you know that was the moment when Brian Fangs um, found out, or Kirk Fangs rather found out that the AD had went over his head and relieved Brian Fangs of his duties, but only after the season, because heaven forbid that you fire him like every other person who gets fired when it's time to go. He gets to finish out the season. Um, I think he, he technically didn't go over his head. Uh, the I AD think... went over Kirk Ferentz's head be in the sense that she is the one who ultimately used her power to relieve him because Kirk Ferentz himself was never going to do it. So I'm not well, saying I think the... that he didn't know, but he he was not going to do it. The prior athletic director never <clears throat> put pressure on Kirk Ferentz to do anything. Um, the current athletic director, she went and decided that this is what's going to happen. Um, so this situation is unique because of Iowa's nepotism laws. Yeah. So she's Kirk Ferentz's son actually reports <laughs> to the AD Correct. and not to Kirk Ferentz. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's his son. But also, technically, this is her decision to make because he works for her. He's her direct report. So technically speaking, she fired one of her direct reports, which right. also happened to be... Kirk Ferentz's son, and, who and also the, reports to him. And the her. previous, yeah, the previous AD had the ability to do so and never did um, in his stint. Uh, I think her name is Go, it's either Go, Goetz, Gotetz, Go, Go, this is me uh, journalistically kind of off the top of my head here. Um, maybe, maybe when you read a lot, you don't actually hear people's names being pronounced. So I've seen it a bunch of times. I actually never heard anybody say her name. So I'm Beth, gonna say yeah, I, I believe it's Beth Goats because it's G O E T Z, right? I've, I've, yeah, it's amazing. Like I can, like Maybe. you said, I've read it a bunch, so I've seen it, and it's, I know it's, and I believe it's Goats, Beth Goats. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Geats, and somehow the O makes the E sound. But I'm just gonna go with Beth Goats, um, G O E T Z. That that seems safe. Yeah, she, that is, thank you for pointing that out. The nepotism laws that are in place because of nepotism at that program, which is really at the center of the conversation that I wanted to have with Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz. Um, I have a weird, so Brian Ferentz is the, a, a, the prime example of nepotism gone wrong because I don't, I don't have a problem with nepotism on the surface in terms of I am going to give my children the advantage that I have been given to put them in this position of power or employment. That on the surface, I do not have a problem with. If they are incompetent at what you put them in charge of, or if they are doing something that they are not qualified to do and other people lose out or are unable to pursue <clears throat> opportunities because you are just enabling 
your child via nepotism. That is a murkier, more, I'm less, you know, fully supposed, like I'm not kind of here for that. That's the nepotism and the boys club stuff that I think is the corrosive end of nepotism. Because I just think we have to be honest about nepotism exists. And, uh, you know, if you have a company, if you want to hire a manager, I would rather be my son. But I would say my son needs to go to business school and learn how to run a company. And then I will, you know, give it to you only when you have shown that you're able to run it. Yeah, it also reinforces inequity. Like we was what, like 128 or so head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. So if most of those jobs, overwhelmingly so, probably 90, uh, 120 of those are going to white men, that leaves minority candidates to fill the rest of those roles. And on top of that, we also know that in this day and age, OC jobs are the quickest pathway to the head coaching job. So yeah, because we're actually exactly. not in those seats, it just significantly hampers the ability for minority candidates to move up through the ranks because the jobs they could take otherwise that would lead to those positions, they don't have. Yeah. And their daddies, their granddaddies, their uncles, they're not also ADs or coaches. So they also can't give them opportunities. So it's also just inequitable because everyone doesn't equally benefit from nepotism either. Correct. Which is why on its face value, because in, yeah, in this utopian idealistic world, where there's a more balanced representation, then nepotism works for the more balanced population, right? If you had, you know, a closer to 50-50 split of a minority, you know, black and brown representation versus white counterparts, if it was closer to 50-50, then nepotism, like, again, I I get nepotism. Like, at least I'll say like that. Like, I would get that. So if you had more black coaches who could put more of their either relatives or their staff who look more and represent more of you know the people who play the sport and make up most of the sport then it would be a more equal share but yeah as it currently stands obviously that's not the case and then so nepotism in this case the boys club in this case um you know I'm interested because you said the the OC is the quickest way to head coach in college football. That's I think that's definitely still true. I think we're seeing, or in the middle right now in the NFL, at least of a revolution of defense, where if you look, the scoring is kind of the lowest. And the, the scoring and a lot of other metrics are as low as they've ever been. And the defenses of a lot of teams are the strength and kind of the favorites and the better teams are the teams with the stronger defenses. So it's kind of cycling through. And a lot of the head coaching hires of the last two cycles in the NFL have been defensive coordinators. Um, And you're seeing, I think this year, a lot of the top candidates or most of the top candidates for the next cycle are defensive defensive coordinators. Again, still obviously some offensive, but I'm wondering if some of that top down at least – from you know and the nfl is smaller so it's a it's a different game and i'm just wondering if some of and, and college football is unique in that there's always been uh more of an offense ahead of defenses just because defense is harder more schools more talent um it's you're you know great defenses are really good defenses are less 
frequent than offenses that can score points because there's a lot you know different ways to score points and, and offense is a little easier than stopping people right i think so i wonder if we'll see maybe uh you know more defensive coordinators uh being given those opportunities because the pipeline like getting the pipeline to diversify head coaches in college football like that those conversations it should be really simple if you're talking about like x players usually get to cut the line well most x players are you know black but yeah and still the fighting trent dilfers you know uab get get those types of looks and um the ex Jeff players players always seem to be coaches i mean just on the college football the Jeff Saturday thing is a complete anomaly from a Jim Ursay brain like like yes the NFL does the cut the line stuff but that is a one only Jeff Ursay Jim Ursay was like give me that television analyst at least John Gruden was a coach then a television analyst then a coach but like now at the the college level I I think um yeah I don't I don't see, like, uh, you know, the 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 Deion Sanders, his effect, and this is actually a perfect segue. We could get kind of to Deion because I want to just talk about him overall coaching. But the Deion effect, what I don't see is a bunch of schools looking to go hire a bunch of ex players, or at least that's not what I'm seeing right away. Um, I'm rooting. This is again other than basketball more than football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think basketball is a little bit more um, in that sense. Has always been better about their pipeline. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean I'm, the numbers bear that out. Yeah, but on the football it's side, still not representative. No, no, it, nowhere. But to be clear, nowhere in this country is, and so that is a whole you know separate societal podcast. But that in sports, I mean it can't be overstated when you're talking about who the makeup of most of the workforce and a lot of the consumer are. But I think that the football side, a little crossover NFL here, but Antonio Pierce is somebody who I'm rooting as a Raiders fan, personally rooting super hard for to get this job, just to get it because there are a lot of other coaches who in similar situations get the interim tag and then actually get to keep it or get looks elsewhere and so like i think he is exactly what we need and just not to get too into the nfl and the raiders but like just i want that to work for larger reasons i think the nfl's actually been a little bit more progressive in their hiring practices quiet is kept but the college ranks i don't see that I don't see what the thing is that's going to change it because again, Dion, as it stands, I don't see his effect. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I don't see his effect of let's go and hire more kind of former players, you know, who have excelled at a high level to come and, and do this. I don't see that as being the kind of domino effect there. I mean, that's that's that that is inherently the issue. So we would have seen it on the back end if Dion were to flame out at Colorado. There would definitely be an aversion to hiring former players, especially former players that behave like Dion. Of course, which is one. And of that's one. really interesting. To, to be to be clear, yeah. Dion's the only one that behaved like that. And somebody like Sean McVay, will you see like okay, we have this 
Wizkid, young white, like brilliant offensive mind and play caller. We're going to hire him and everyone who's ever even had a meeting with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... So, yeah, you're right. Like, the question is, like, why why isn't Dion given that same treatment, even though it's, it's a little bit different? But, like, he's clearly doing something special at a place where I haven't had any life at all for decades. And so yeah. why is it now the folks we have in hearing, the Ed Reeds and, like, the other former players are trying to get into coaching, why aren't they giving more of a chance, given the sense we see Dion see? What do they group people have to lose besides yeah. doing the same thing they've been doing? Yeah, that's the 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 part of it that there's there's two parts of the Dion experience, and he is a really tough person to use as any type of example because there's only one person like him. Forget before he ever got into coaching, as a player, as a cultural icon, as an athlete, as a mouth, as a lot of things. There's he is one of the he's Muhammad Ali levels of yes just like embodying a thing that you will probably never see once every 50 60 70 years type stuff i can my mouth i can cash all the checks my mouth right puts out this is this is every day all day right and this is the first time in his professional life or career where he is only in so much control over because he's never going to not talk a certain way, although he's been a lot quieter um, as they have you know, struggled. And he's never going to not be Dion. But um, this is the first time that he's never been able to be in full control because as a coach, once the ball snap, you can't do shit. Hopefully you called the right play and they're prepared, but you have no control once that starts. And for that as a player, which is why I think most of the good coaches are not players. And I'm not here to say don't give coach, you know, players a, a shot. Because the players who want a shot should absolutely get a shot. But I think a large part of why you don't even – I'm not even saying that they don't get shots, but part of why – the I feel like the better the player, usually the worse the coach. And it's because the whole why can't you just be great just why can't you see the the whole Magic Johnson as coach thing? It's like, hey, why can't you just see the game like Magic Johnson? Right? That was to 10, 12 games of that. It was like, okay, I'm done with this. Like you all, this is just it's too frustrating. It's like to yeah. me, this is so simple. Why what do you guys do? And you're during that trouble drafting. Right. And it's just his like, well, career as an owner. And I feel like his thing is a, even maybe a different level of a, like, you know, why would he what about him? Like, once you learn more about his story, it's like, what about Michael Jordan makes you think that he would actually be good about evaluating anybody else? His whole thing was kind of just like, I'm going to, how will I be unstoppable? Like, yeah, I'll study my opponent. But I just feel like Jordan never really was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to grind and watch tape and watch film. I feel like he was just kind of let. No, I'm just, I'm I'm better. My talent overwhelms any yeah, kind of game like, plan y'all yeah, have. Like, here's what I see. I got the eye. That's what I think. But yeah, I, I think that, so the Dion thing, it's twofold. I think his personality, how he draws money, crowd, attention, a lot of that. Ed Reed would not have done that. Ed Reed would have been awesome. Ed, and I'd like it. So this is not to knock Ed Reed, but there is just a level probably below what Dion is. That would have been what Ed Reed is. Because, again, Ed Reed's more, I guess, of a personality, but 
no one cares that uh, Eddie George is coaching right now. Like, no one cares. No, like, it's not a big – like, a lot of people don't know that he is a coach at HBCU right now, like, doing his thing, been there for a while. There's a bunch of former players at certain places doing stuff. But I don't, sadly, know what the thing <clears throat> in college football to kind of break that dam for there to be a trickle or more of it. And why I talk about Dion is because this the, the Colorado thing, that's why I'm interested where he goes next. The Colorado thing has an end and it has a ceiling. And the ceiling is six or seven wins. And the end is two to three years from now. Just in my, this is my take and read on, on what's happening. And I have kind of, come to a conclusion that the thing that he needs, he will ironically never allow himself time to get. The thing that he needs is a good offensive line. That's the one thing that you can't just go out in a portal and get because offensive line is the five players that have to mold, mesh, even more than quarterback or receiver, mold, meld, and mesh the most and have the most, the best offensive lines the most snaps together, the most time together, the most practice together, the most familiarity. If his plan is just, I got to get new guys every year. They come in in the spring, they have to be ready by the fall, and then I'm going to do it again in three months. The offensive line is never going to be good enough to compete in that conference. He will... No, and his his recruiting... Feeling is also lower at a place like Colorado versus if he were yeah. in Texas. That was gonna be my next or in any one of the SEC he'll schools. Have, he'll have to go somewhere else. Uh, uh, like to to <sighs> get to get that next tier of because I think what he can get, he could probably get really dope skill position players. I don't yep. I, I he he needs a uh, a really good O-line coach or a recruiter who specializes in offensive linemen because what I'm going to say is something that maybe I think football players will probably identify with or even if you kind of know the personality types. Dion's personality type is not a good recruiting pitch for offensive linemen because <clears throat> your typical offensive lineman is not flashy, loud, braggadocious, talking, because they've been huge their whole life. They don't have to do that. They will, like, they are more of a laid-back reserve. Yes, they obviously have a nasty streak in them, but it's more of a only-if-provoked type of mentality. For, I guess, kind of most, this is not all. I just feel like it's an archetype. If you talk about an archetype for an offensive lineman, I've, the the schools with the best O-line tend to be the programs and coaches that are not the personalities, but they'll run the ball, kind of establish the run. So I just this is a theory of mine. could be totally off base. But I feel like, Dion will have a tougher time putting together an offensive line and he will have good receivers, 
quarterback, running back. I think he will have no problem on certain skill positions. We've kind of already seen that. But the O-line part of it, especially like you said, at Colorado, I don't think that gets solved there to a level where you're competing with Oregon, Washington, Utah, UCLA, Oregon State. Like to that, and I, I guess, you know, conferences will realign. But still, um, and they're going back to the Big 12, which means the Texas, Oklahoma's, Kansas State's, those, like those types of schools. Um, so I think it's just, it bears monitoring how it's this, it's this straightforward. It bears monitoring how good of a coach he is at, if I don't get the best or better offensive lineman, how good am I at coaching around it? Like some of these other schools that never get the best offensive lineman and have to go spread and five wide and widen their stances. Yeah, and how are we adjusting? So what like kind that's, of gimmicks we have to run. Yeah, that's the make next, up for the lack of talent and size. That's the next phase and and phase of the Dion thing is let's let's assume you don't get Georgia and Alabama's linemen because no one else does. So let's assume that you don't. How are you going to coach around that scheme around that figure out that part of the puzzle whether that's at it's a trip down too, too like how are you going to attract running backs yeah that's i mean because that's part see of y'all throw 50 times a game it's mm-hmm. like why not coming here for that and he's like well i have to because i don't have a line that can establish a run it's like exactly and so i, I why am i coming there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like why, why would i go there <laughs> a line uh like that is i just think um you know at colorado has a ceiling there's some places that we could start to kind of wildly speculate if on a college level especially toward the end of the season um about where he could go and um but you know i i don't know it that that part of it changes unless you end up at like you said a texas or an ohio state um or i'll transition shortly to michigan i wanted to talk about the story that i saw about Hampton, really kind of around Hampton. Um, it's a say journalist. I don't want to say low level. I don't know how big Delaware news journalist. Um, but Kevin Trenzel or Kevin Trenzoli, I believe, is the uh, journalist's name, and he was writing a piece about covering the Delaware uh, Hampton game. Hampton has recently, just for some context, recently moved into the CAA. Within the last couple of years, they had moved out of the MEAC probably four, five, four years ago. They were briefly in, I think, maybe the Big South or another conference for like a year or two before moving to the CIA. But um, for a number of reasons, like a lot of schools are realigning money, financial, survival, sport, you know, all those reasons. Um, they are moving into a bigger conference and CAA has plenty of uh, schools spanning the East Coast, some predominantly, most predominantly white, I believe, um, a couple, one other, I think it's North Carolina, A&T maybe also went with them. But um, the Delaware game, Delaware played at Hampton. Uh, Hampton had a relatively low turnout for their football game. Their stadium's only but so big, they don't really draw a huge crowd mostly. Like, you know, they, they have a, a fan base, they have a local kind of alumni base, but it's not a huge football game. They'll be there for, you know, band battles, homecoming, that type of stuff, but not really for the football. Um, and, you know, the Delaware coach, uh, the 
Um, Delaware coach had made some comments just kind of about the lack of crowd, whatever, about the game. But the journalist was writing something kind of about Hampton just joining the CAA and kind of the expansion of the conference and used a very dog whistly phrase. There goes the neighborhood when referring to uh, Hampton and the game and kind of covering the atmosphere, whatever, talking about them not being good for the conference and schools like that who don't draw big crowds, look, make the conference look weaker and that type of talk, which, um, you know, on a factual financial conference, straight cold blooded business conference realignment type of conversation. If you just didn't say there goes the neighborhood and just talked about low attendance and low support and some of that stuff, maybe, you know, it's less of an issue, but the, there goes the neighborhood dog whistly, uh you know white flight phrase a very old but still you know relevant type of phrase um was unnecessary obviously to say the least and um you know hampton there are and my my take because my dad told me about this my dad's an alum plenty of my family's alum my take was just that there are a bunch of shitty schools in this conference stony brook the first to come to off the top of my mind they all never have nobody there there there's 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 a bunch of schools that don't in a conference of monmouth campbell yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. keep reading some of those schools these are the schools that are also in here and new hampshire maine stony brook please yeah like there's only a few like delaware has a ground to want to i get it they're looking for more money they want to level up all schools do but to level up by putting down schools that have joined your conference, specifically kind of dog whistling the historically black one. Um, you know, when record, like, again, all those other schools, there's a bunch of Hamptons five and four with a bunch of other schools, records similar. Um, crowd turnout, if we want to start having those conversations about who should get to play in what conference based on how much tickets are sold, Y'all don't want to have that conversation. So I just would want to caution. Um, this could just be a singular person could be giving him more light than he deserves, or I could um, just be bringing something up that maybe I can take that down. Maybe it's, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's still, I looked, I looked and was able to find the story and this had happened like a few weeks back when they played. So I was able to find it not that long ago. Um, or maybe I was, I found a, they might, I might've been taken down. I found a sports site, yeah, HBCU kind of sports coverage site. I wish I had them cited to shout them out. Um, actually I have the link. Let me see. It's just HBCU sports.com. So shout out to HBCU sports.com. Yeah. That's, covered that's this. an awful take. Maybe take that down. And yeah, it was, it was just a, a poor take. As again, you could make the point of why Delaware is trying to join a bigger conference in so many other ways. Seemed like you just wanted to take a shot at, um, you know, HBCU, the HBCU that's minding their business. That's, <laughs> that's not doing anything to anybody, just trying to, you know, join another conference. Didn't, not something that's, by the way, not something that's very popular within certain Hampton circles or many HBCU circles. A lot of these schools that have left some of these historic conferences don't necessarily yep. want to have to do it for financial reasons or just trying to survive. So all of this is not desirable and not necessarily what anybody wants so again um just a awful awful take an awful uh, opinion piece there 
Um, so I just wanted to, you know, as I've been giving, as we do every week, give the HBCUs the love, check in on them. Again, Hampton's been having one of their better seasons in a while. So even more reason that I was like, it's that's unnecessary. Like you already won the game by a lot. You're having a good season. Just really seem to go out of your way to sideswipe, you know, the recently joined HBCU. So I just wanted to to touch on that real quick before we got to the best story in the history of college football that just keeps getting more better. Connor the Stallion. Connor the Stallions. Um, I am glad that we waited as long as possible to talk about this for more information to come out. I'm not calling this a sign-stealing scandal anymore this has evolved way to call it sign stealing is doing a great disservice to all the no, craziness no, that's going no, on no sign stealing no much so much more this is so much better sign stealing is like that's boring no one cares this is way 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 better so, it's also for what it's worth also is it necessarily wrong is it necessarily even unique to what's happening at michigan yeah that's the thing so what i want to do is start with here's initially what was reported what we thought happened it's october 20th some guy named connor stallions which sounds like his alias but it's not it's this guy's real ass name resigns from michigan with pay because they were really hoping that none of what all has now come out came out which was dumb uh to think that thinking how quick all this came out but he resigns with pay. this. This whole thing is like it reeks of arrogance from yeah. Michigan. Yeah, or just dumb. Or yeah, it's arrogance. It's dumb. It's negligence. So it's a lot of things. This guy resigns with pay. People are like, who is this guy? Who is this quote unquote low level Michigan staffer who resigned with pay on October twentieth? So some digging. There's some investigation going on. Apparently, this dude. This is how it starts. There's so many other things, but this dude apparently was on the sideline, essentially in a fucking disguise, um, on on Central Michigan sideline a couple of weeks uh, when they were playing Michigan State, a couple of weeks before Michigan is slated to play Michigan. Uh, a man who is thought to be Connor Stallions is seen on the sideline at Central Michigan, uh, incognito, sunglasses on that may or may not be recording things. They may or may not be Google sunglasses that record. That has yet to be confirmed, but it is a potential possibility uh, is caught or is thought to be impermissibly on another team's sideline recording signs for a future opponent. Uh, that was wild. My initial take when this happened, this happened so long ago that me, we were down at Hilton Head. I was doing the Hilton Head trip, which feels like a really long time ago. But um they that to me at first was like people steal signs all the time but if there is a recording if you're using electronics to do it that's foul play i i know the lengths of which people go to steal signs but recording it that's the whole spygate thing it's the whole like that was the line that we all drew in the sand once we got this far with technology that's the one thing you can't do you could literally just cut shit up and you could do what connor stallion did which is a lot of work but it's just puzzling shit together and you can literally know exactly what play is coming because you know exactly what their sides are. So at that time I did some digging. I saw the sideline video of him against Ohio state 
standing next to the defensive coordinator, quite literally looking at the other team's sideline. And before C.J. Stroud, this was last year, before C.J. Stroud fully had recognized, got the signal, and gave the audible to everyone on the sideline, Connor Stallions said something to the defensive coordinator. And before the defensive coordinator even fully did the signal, the people next to him on the sideline are so in tune with that they know the signals they immediately started raising the roof, which was a single for whatever, but they all started doing it even before the defensive coordinator said what he said to the defense for them to change, and they immediately knew the play. And that was about a week after all this came out. That was when I said, okay, I kind of have a general idea of how much knowing the other team's plays can help you win. But I just needed to know to what extent did they really know. And then I saw that video. And that is like next level explains why all of a sudden they're really good. Like that's I I I'm not trying to take any way away from the anything away from the kids. But when you want to separate talent, because they're playing Ohio State's and Georgia's and TCU and TCU was the thing that kind of blew the doors off here. TCU knew they were doing this changed their signs two or three days before and blew the doors now, off. I'm sure they didn't scout TCU because they weren't planning on playing TCU. No, they scouted the them. Same way. They scouted them. TCU found out that Michigan had allegedly been stealing their plays, stealing their signals. Oh, and wow. TCU changed their signals about two days before and Michigan did not know. And TCU players have talked about from the very first drive, Michigan, it was very clear Michigan did not know what to do because they thought they knew their signals. They didn't they blew the doors off of Michigan. And that was the only game where Michigan looked like that. And that was a mm-hmm. little little weird. It was also a little weird that all of a sudden, just in the last post-COVID, because the one season where they were bad was COVID, when no one was in the stands, another point of reference and information. These are all circumstantial pieces of evidence that make you go, hmm. Uh, they were bad. They were like two and six. It was the worst season ever. The next year, all of a sudden, they get on this run. They're beating Ohio State. They're going to the college football playoffs. And I now, now that we know, okay, other schools, maybe Michigan fed information to other schools to help their college football playoff chances in the past. Apparently, other Big Ten schools do similar stuff. So that's why, like, there's some controversy of, like, should we tell them, should we not? Or, or not? Yeah. Should we? You know, should we sit? Should we not? I'll, I'll take everybody down with us. Ohio State has been hacking into stuff. They want Ryan Daly Day to go to jail. Um, all the while, Connor Stallions is starting. He had like multiple businesses selling fake or not fake busted ass vacuums. He was paying for his own trips for all this time, going to all these games before anybody knew anything. Before he's even an employee. This is his dream. Open a business with Blake Corum's name on it, apparently. He opened that. I was was leading up to that one. The wildest part was, which is why I'm super happy we waited. One of the businesses Blake Corum is associated with, he has no idea what's going on. He says, I'm getting attorneys on this ASAP. This is insane. Um, All this can't, this went from, oh, not a big deal to lack of institutional control. Like clear because there's no there is no world where Jim Harbaugh's like I had no idea about this this is crazy this is a clear whole institutional knowledge of what this is and I think you know I think it's 
went from not a big deal to I think they will do something. I'm not sure the timing of it. The whole catch 22 is you don't, you know, the Big Ten is not incentivized at all to mess with their cash cow right now on this magical season. Uh, the NCAA really has absolutely no power. So anyone who's like, wait for their investigation, it's like, who, you know, who cares what they do? They're um, not going to. Like, who, yeah, it's like that will take a year and then who cares? Um, I, from a player standpoint, I don't want this to impact this season for the players, it's not on them. Um, it does matter. Somebody should be punished. It probably should be Harbaugh. I don't know. There was a serious article that I read about whether or not he coaches in Michigan after <laughs> this season. Like that, that is a real thing just because <clears throat> this is the second time he's been suspended. I know the other thing was for a stupid thing, but it's the second time he's been suspended. He's done shit in the past. He's a lot wilder of a boy than y'all seem to realize. And um, I think this probably ends with him it was so bad that the nfl is like you can't even hide over here son like we can't do nothing for you so i just think this ends bad in in bad in sense of like he might have to go and they should hire connor stallions because he's clearly very good at his job so yeah apparently sure. he's like a savant at this except that he's like he's not gonna next get, level yeah not good at not getting caught but he's a marine ex-marine this is what he does counter intel blah 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 just not really good at like Venmo transactions on private and not using credit cards to track flights. Good at all the other the stuff. Thing. Though. Like they weren't, he wasn't trying to hide it at all. That's why, yeah. That's there was the, no that's, effort putting into hiding it. That's the institutional control part. That's why I'm like, somebody has to go for this. Now, I think the Raiders, you know, I'm a Raiders fan. I think we should hunter Connor Stallions to do something, damn it. Like he could, he his skills could be put to use maybe in not some illegal way, but if you get this man chopping up tape, watching like tendencies or something like he can help in other ways. But um, I mean, everything I read about him, he strikes me as, as unhinged. Like we oh, were talking about yeah. this before the camera went on, but like, it seems like he's, it's just, he's a super fan yeah. that just like, takes things way too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody who does like, that working for free for a long time, <laughs> working he's, for he's free, man. wrote a manifesto, bought a house to rent out just so he could live in his car and do just all so we this can Michigan live in his stuff. Car so we can go to games. Yep was selling vacuums that didn't work to people, had just a pile of junk and vacuums on his porch, was ready to fight the oh, HOA. So <laughs> his Michigan fix. Like yes. he needs he needs a break. Yeah. And some nah. counseling. Yeah. Like this so, is too much. Nah. That was the wildest, by far the wildest story in college football. Um there's more. There will be more. More will be revealed. You will hear us talk about this more. But we'll wrap with the college football playoffs. Um Boo. <laughs> What's your biggest beef? Let's just do top 10. Top 10, Ole Miss 10, Penn State 9, Alabama 8, Texas 7, Oregon 6, Washington still 5, Florida State 4, Ohio State 3, Michigan 2, Georgia 1. Uh, what is your main point of gripe? They need to pick a rationale for rankings. And consistently apply it one to twenty-five. I don't fair. understand the rationale for the shifts. I also don't understand the initial rankings. They seemingly use quality wins and strength of schedule when it suits them mm -hmm. and it helps some teams and hurts other teams. Mm -hmm. And 
at this point, it just it feels like they're just picking teams and trying on the back end to figure out how to justify it. Yeah. But I just I, I'm disinvested in this as a system now because I don't understand the rules. Yeah. And in I, some instances it doesn't actually matter, but it will matter when we have multiple one loss power five conference champions. Here's my uh, that's when yeah. this that's here's, when this will matter. Here's what I'll do because yeah, I do think this is a television show and I will not you will not hear me react to any of this until it matters. But here's the uh devil scenario that can happen where the committee has some decisions. Oregon wins out, which means they beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship. You have a Ohio State victory over Michigan. Then, in the championship, Michigan beats Ohio State. Oh, no, that can't happen. They have to play Iowa. Never mind. I think it's just, wait, where's my scenario? Here it is. Okay. Oregon beats Washington again, so that's one loss Washington. Alabama runs a one table. One loss Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alabama runs a table, one loss Georgia, one loss Bama. Texas runs a table, one loss Texas. Um, You get Florida State running the table, undefeated yep. ACC. And you get... Michigan runs the table. Or no, is there a scenario where they lose and still get in and then there's one loss? There could be – that happens if Iowa – is there that somehow. Iowa is the Big Ten champion? Yeah, that's a so crazy we have scenario. Iowa, <laughs> we have a one-loss Michigan. I refuse to entertain and that And a one-loss Ohio State. <laughs> Yeah, I refuse to entertain the Iowa scenario. So there is a scenario where you would have to choose between one loss, Bama. Iowa midseason hires Rich Rodriguez. Did they really? No, I'm saying if they did, they it'd be lit. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, I, you would get a scenario where you'd have basically to choose a one loss, Bama, a one loss, Texas, a one loss, Oregon. And a one-loss Washington. Well, yeah, but I feel like if Oregon beats them, I feel like that would be, it'd be their it'd, one. It'd be a question. That would be their Because, I mean, but Oregon yeah. also beats Utah. They beat Washington State, and they beat, what was it, UCLA? Yeah, if they if they win out, like that would – They would have one of the strongest there's schedules, a, there's a scenario, even with the Oregon loss. Yeah, there's a scenario, which I, I'm not saying any of this plays out, but there is that – so like the Bama winning out – it would, yeah, one loss Georgia, one loss Bama, one loss Texas, and one loss Oregon, and one loss Washington, a one loss either Michigan or Ohio State. Um, you know, and then I, you know, presumably undefeated Florida State. Um, because you'd have to assume Florida State loses once they're out just because their strength yep. of comp the, the loss would be to a, a lesser team, it'd be to a really bad, it'd be to, yeah, a bad team. So that, I mean, that is, um, I think this probably sorts itself out. I think what you will have happen is you, you. I think you will get 
Oregon. I think the toughest decision will be like, because I think Oregon runs the table the rest of the way, meaning I think they get Washington back. And then I think you have those two with one loss. I think Michigan beats Ohio State. So I think Michigan, I think Michigan is, I think, I think Georgia beats Alabama. I believe Georgia and Michigan will be in. I believe Florida State runs the table. So I believe that like those three, this is just me in my head. I have Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Then it's a question of if you have one loss, Oregon, who runs the table, Washington only has one loss, Texas runs the table. Of those three, who gets the fourth spot? And I think at that, it would be between Washington and Florida. I mean, sorry, Washington and Ohio and Oregon. And I guess it would come down to how the Pac-12 championship looks since the first game at Washington was really close. It came down to a bounce and a kick. You would think whoever the, you know, if Oregon wins convincingly in the Pac 12 championship, they're in. Yeah, they seem to, to weigh getting avenged, avenging your only loss. That, that has mattered in the past. Yeah. And I feel like they reward you, right, for that. So if they're able to do that and it's a neutral, you know, neutral site, depending on how the game looks. Um, but it's tough because then that's the whole like, okay, so Washington is being punished for essentially making the Pac-12 championship because they already yep. beat Oregon. And now Oregon gets the second chance. It's what happened last year with the uh, TCU, not TCU. Um, last year there was a similar, yeah, oh, it was TCU. When TCU lost in the Big 12 championship, we were like, so what? They're still in. Like, we're not going to punish them because – Alabama didn't play this week because they didn't make yeah. the championship game and TCU did like, that's not how this is going to go. So I think that bears monitoring maybe to the point where if Florida state were to make the championship lose somehow to Louisville, if enough teams have one loss, maybe they're not automatically out because that would be that whole conversation of does somebody get to jump them because they didn't, play you know what i mean so i i don't know but, yeah um, it'll be I, I it tends to mostly sort itself out i think it will more or less i like that most of these teams all have to play each other or likely will like ohio state plays michigan georgia probably plays bama washington play oregon again texas gets to play the big 12 championship like so i, I like that there will be opportunities and little old mississippi if they can knock off georgia we get to have a whole different conversation. Ole Miss knocks off Georgia. Does if Louisville Miss... blows out. Louisville blows out Florida State and blows out Kentucky. Yeah, what does that get, do? We get to have that conversation. Um, I just to go to the back end of these rankings. The disrespect being shown to Liberty and JMU. I don't really understand it. Um, I saw JMU file the fresh petition this week. Yeah, good, good. Let's get that ball rolling because as they see these rankings come out, they're creeping up. But um. Like Tulane, there also might not be enough six-win teams um, for the bowl eligibility, so they might get off that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I I think I think that might happen. I think they might get their shot. I just want it to be a New Year's Six. I just feel like yeah, it should be. The, the world should, and if it's not JMU, it should be Liberty. Like the world should should get to see um, Liberty in a New Year's Six Bowl. 
Like I just think they deserve it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, so yeah, so they I mean look, Ohio State being number one after what we just saw doesn't really make sense, but it is what it is. Um like they get to do that and Georgia does what they do and nothing changes to your point. Not sure if there's consistency. I'm I'm there. consistently struggling with Washington being outside the top four, and then Washington like just I, sitting at five. Like I don't know what we got to do, guys. Like I, I mean, they're they're undefeated is more impressive than Michigan's undefeated. I don't know how they don't see that. Without uh, question. But maybe the maybe this investigation comes and swipes Michigan out of this thing anyway, or or maybe I mean they didn't beat Purdue crazy crazy. They beat them because it's Purdue. But maybe once this whole single sign stuff, like if this goes away and all of a sudden they just go back to, not to say a pumpkin, but the Michigan teams that were not that good before, like talented, but Harbaugh was being outcoached. If they go back to that, um, again, this it'll just be, I don't want to take it out on the kids, but it'll be an indictment of, huh, it really was all that cheating y'all were doing. Yeah, that's the other crazy angle here too. Uh, I saw some the other day that like actually, you know, they sometimes will rank teams by recruitment composite. Um, so like, yeah, Michigan on paper is one of the most talented teams in the country and has been the last five years. Right. So There's a real sense of like, why does Michigan feel like they need to do this? Yeah, and I just, I want to. I aired. I was looking at the AP by the way. Let me just read those again so I could put it in where I said it before. It's Penn State ten, Ole Miss nine. Alabama 8, Texas 7, Oregon 6, Washington 5, Florida State 3. I'm sorry, Florida State 4, Michigan 3, Georgia 2, Ohio State 1. Yeah, they they have the talent, which is why, again, like they've been equal with talent for a while. If the difference really was, now I know what plays are going to run. So now our talent will be even more talent. Like then, because I mean, I don't know how else to explain it other than because what, what they were selling last year was just this whole, like, we've been building this mentality, tough and grind and run the football, be able to establish the run and beat teams like Ohio State and Georgia. That's what we've been focusing on. And I remember that last year thinking, like, so y'all weren't doing that before? Like, yeah, what Like what? What was it? Why? When did that light bulb go off that, hey, we should try to beat the best teams by getting bigger and stronger and faster? Like, so that that was the narrative once they got to the playoff. And I read a lot of articles about, like, all the focus that went into them getting into this spot. And those articles look a lot more like just kind of cotton candy, frivolous, like this is what you want to believe. The more I see these reports that we're reading of what was actually going on coming out, it's like, oh, this is way more plausible than they just like focused in on doing it more, which was all that was kind of being sold before. So... We will uh oh and these college football. I I don't like these college football playoff rankings past ten now because Liberty's not on here. Uh they got Tulane at twenty three. That could very easily be Liberty's spot. Uh North Carolina could get the hell out of here at twenty four. That could be Liberty's spot. The fact that Notre Dame still is twenty seems like I don't really understand that. How many different ways? How many different ways do they have to lose? Like which they lost with ten people on the field. They lost with the quarterback can't throw to nobody. They lost. Like how many different ways do you want them to show? Like this is how we're gonna lose this one, y'all. Um, 
their best win is now at USC and USC stinks. So, you know, I, I don't get that one. So I'm glad I didn't see these before. I would have spent way more time yelling about how awful they are. Um, they are pretty bad. They're actually worse once you get past the top. Like outside yes. the 10 is yes. like, what the hell are y'all doing? <laughs> this is, yeah, this is the worst part of it. Um, they did work this out too, because once the playoff expands, like this is also going to matter a lot. Correct. Too. That's what I was about to say. If we were 12 teams right now, I disagree very much with Oregon State now being that 12th team. Um, sorry, just I think you would have to give that either to. Oklahoma, they don't deserve it. Like, o- you can just say Oklahoma, that. They, they like, actually o- don't deserve yeah, it. Yeah, like Oklahoma State's probably more deserving of that. Missouri is more deserving. Even Tennessee, Kansas. Like, I think there's some teams that have. Proven more deserving of that. So that, yeah, that bears a lot more monitoring. Um, like Ohio State, I mean, Penn State still getting to stay in the top 10 just seems really fraudulent. I guess we'll see this week. If that game versus Michigan's close, everyone's going to immediately be like, uh-oh, see? Um, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah, they they do need to, they do need to get this worked out. This isn't great um, in terms of just what have y'all been watching exactly. And what's the criteria? Because this that's this that's actually it. It seems game. like you all pick this without having watched the games. Yeah, that's uh, look. The, the one of the one of the committee members was Connelly's Rice, and I just feel like maybe she's the less busy, but I just feel like she's kind of busy, and maybe she would watch Stanford because that's where she went, and maybe she would watch Game of the Week. It's on whatever, but I just. Refuse to believe that Condoleezza Rice is diving into hours of football on Saturday, watching all these different teams going back and forth on screen. And that's just one of the committee members. So, like, all the other people, I don't know. But, yeah, it more or less seems like uh, they get together, they 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 chat about whoever's seen whatever. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and then uh, they also, you know, they, they, they definitely have a chart in there somewhere that's like which, you know, schools by mm-hmm. revenue. Because, like I said, whenever there's a tiebreaker, come on in, you know, brands that people know. Yeah, yep. Come on in recognizable brands because this is television at the end of the day. So that's why I try not to get too upset. But these are not great. So hopefully this does all sort itself out. Because now I'm starting to think Ohio State could lose one and still back-ass their way in here somehow. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> they will somehow still be ahead of Washington. Yeah, no, nothing that Washington does will get them, like – up in this top four. Um, oh. I don't I Even like, I'm not saying they should be, but you would think that they would maybe disrespect the ACC and put Washington four and Florida State five. You know, they're both undefeated, but maybe just strength of conference would be usually they are. We've been talking so much about the Pac-12 this year and how awesome they are. You got one, two, three, four teams from that conference up here. Like you would think five, sorry. You would think that you would maybe give them more of a look, but no. You would think wrong. I think wrong. Um, but <laughs> anyway, we'll see what happens this weekend. It should be a should be a decent one. Um, and I'm going to stay closely glued to the Connor, Connor the Stallions. If you are know any of his businesses, they all sound like scam ass businesses, and none of them were reviewed very well. Um, they're all like. Power Inc. LLC and stuff, just stuff that you see and is like this. I don't know what these are, but they definitely don't <laughs> sound like reputable businesses. 
So I waited for more to come out. There was expected to be a ruling on Harbaugh this week. Um, they they said that the Big Pack, Big Ten would make some kind of decision this week. If that's the case, either that that's the only it, body that can decide anything. Either yeah, it's the Big Ten. That's not going to be done. Correct. So it was either going to be him or nobody, and and I and I guess either either that reporting is inaccurate or the decision has been made that we are not doing anything, and it's probably more likely the decision made that we're not doing anything. So we will uh, see what happens. But appreciate uh, everybody tuning in for this bonus episode uh, in between weeks here. A little CP CFP reaction. Coach has gone bad, and um. We'll talk to you guys following week what is eleven. You no, know, nothing else. It's that Dabo stands on business. Dabo standing on business. Definitely the title of the episode. Um don't don't come for Dabo. He's not here for it. Watch Clemson get their way into this college football playoff ranking before the season's <laughs> over. <laughs> just just watch. He said if Clemson was a stock, buy it now. I don't know about all that. But that uh, means y'all gonna be South Carolina, right? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where it starts. So we'll see what happens. We'll check in with y'all in a couple of days after week eleven. Uh, we might have our first right, guests. Y'all. We might have our first guests as well. So you guys stay tuned. Peace, y'all. Peace.